Yes, you are listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. How's it going, guys? It is going quite well, as we just listened to a sick 80s power electronics classic. That is indeed true. And the classic Connolly's referring to is Controlled Bleeding's Distress Signals from 1984 on the fabulous and influential Broken Flag label. Mm. And we realize this is the first episode on a Broken Flag release, which is kind of crazy. You know, we Uh, talked with Anthony DeFranco. It's certainly come up, but this is actually the first full Broken Flag release we are doing on Noise Extra. And... Today for the Extra Noise Extra segment on the Patreon, we're going to just discuss Broken Flag in general, some of our favorite releases, a a little overview of Broken Flag, certainly not super in-depth as that would take a full episode or two, which it does demand at some point, but a guide to some classic Broken Flag on the Extra segment today. But before we get into Controlled Bleeding, Got to do some recent listening. Gray, what have you been listening to, my man? Well, got a couple tapes in the tape deck this week, one of which being the Beast 666 compilation on Necrophile Records. Love that one. Uh, finally tracked down a nice tape copy of it. And so I, you know, I was listening to it, as you do. If, if I'm not mistaken, you sent a picture to us. I did. I did. Are you complete? Uh, so that's a tricky thing, right? There's, okay. There's, <laughs> no, I have all but one of the cassettes, uh, but it's the, I, you know, I haven't listened to it in a long time. Maybe, I, maybe I'll would love it if I threw it on, but the Genesis PRH stand bingo is still missing from my collection and I haven't really gone to great lengths to find it. I'll say. Gotcha. But you are very close to completing that necrophile collection. Yeah, yeah, missing missing one, and it's uh, it's available. It's around. Filling out that bingo card. That's right. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a slot in the tape rack for where it should sit. So eventually, there you go. Eventually, <laughs> yeah. And uh, one of those things I'll never be complete on. It's just impossible. I got well, actually, both label and artist. I got the Richard Ramirez cassette on Mother Savage from 1995, Rape. And that I was ooh. very, very jealous of. I have to say, I saw that and I was like, ooh, I would love an original copy of that because it is an incredible Ramirez release. Yeah, it's a great one. Uh, really, really good. There has been a, a reissue of it within the past few years that he did on his own, right? Yes. And that is, we have that. So right it's good to have, have it in some from form. the man himself, but. An original, original, come on. Yeah. I've been rearranging my cassettes, realizing that, A, I want some stuff more together, some things that I really treasure. I want to kind of have a section for collections, you know, getting like the, a couple more necrophile tapes to put in the slots. I got to got to move some stuff around and some stuff oh, that's yeah. maybe had its time in the sun can get put in a, in a different uh, shelf rack box, whatever. And so I've been going through and doing that. And so there's a whole little Mother Savage section in the tape rack. It looks pretty nice. Yeah. And also pulled out while doing this organizing the Grey Wolves Red Terror Black Terror. 
cassette on Artiman, although there's several editions of it. Broken Flag Zone, certainly feeling that kind of corroded lo-fi, miserable, atmospheric, power electronics, malaise. Uh, yeah, great, great tape. Always in the mood for Grey Wolves. And oh, yeah, of course, this did not disappoint. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking about Broken Flag today, something clicked in me. So I put on Escore's Dumb Chamber. Whoa. Yeah. Another, I mean, I don't know. I can listen to any Escore anytime, all the time, every time. And this one's no different. Just classic, classic Escore. Some some classic Escore titles. You've got A Slow Mire, Anguish. Mm. Implicit faith. I think it maybe was supposed to be implicit, but or unless implicit is a word that I just am not aware of. And it is now unsightly disorder. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Beautiful broken flag blue classic color uh, from 87. So, yeah, just uh, some good old tapes, actually. Nothing, nothing new. Really got listened to this week because I'm going through the old and organizing the old. If they're new to me, but not new to the universe. Connelly's, what about you? What have you been listening to? Well, we were shredding our ears with Masana for a good week and a half, two weeks. We were listening to some Geo, and our ears said, hey, maybe a little different zone might be in order for this week. And it just so happened that our good friend, Gary, Gary DJ, Gary DJ. Oh, Gary DJ. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Put out an incredible mixtape. Night Drive Dream 2. And that has been played so much here. He is an Italo disco fanatic. And he has hooked us up with a lot of great mix CDs and tapes of Italo disco. It's not something that we comp- know. Well, we know because of Gary. Basically, our knowledge of that is directly. Yeah, from what I Gary mean, when you have Gary DJ curating your listen, you might as well just get it that way. So, yes, we've dipped our toe into exploring the world of Italo disco, but truly, I love his mixes. And how long has it been now? Ten years. We looked at the first mix yeah. he made us. It was 2014. So yeah, com- nine years coming up yes. in 10 years. And so that ag- first mix so is again, still just, we, we listened to it the other day and it was like, oh. I'm just going to so let good. the expert handle it in this case. I don't, exactly. I don't need to do it. I feel that. I would say Gary is an Italophile. Is that a word? It like, is now. It's not just Italo Disco. It's the like Look and Dina collection and the insane amount of Italian movies that he knows and loves Mm -hmm. like just all, all of that. I feel like really ties in and makes sense with the Italo disco too. So certainly many, many years ago when we used to live in the same city, we would just watch Italian cinema all the damn time. Just throwing on, we used to do Western Wednesdays at green door. Perfect. Well, and speaking of Italian cinema, exactly. We were in the zone and Tara, what did you choose for us to watch? It chose the church. Absolutely mind-blowing, incredible. It's one of those films I, I know that we've seen, yeah. but I couldn't really remember it clearly. I yeah. couldn't put my finger on it. And and upon watching, it, it was as though I had never seen it ever. A hundred percent. It was one of those that 
you asked me, you've seen the church? Yeah, church is awesome. Seen the Love church. the church. Demon, AKA yeah. Demons 3, of course I've seen the church. One of those were every five minutes, like, man, I don't remember it is this. So, I don't I remember this. It is It has such amazing. a mystical touch. It's it's incredibly violent from the get-go. And it does have that um that strange Italian take on morality in it, where it's it's good versus evil, but you can't quite tell who's good and you can't quite tell who's evil and you don't know what the source of evil is and and you don't know if, you know, the actual the church was involved in uh, creating this evil and these evil spaces. I really loved it. And it was so atmospheric. It, it, it was so dreamlike. What, what a wonderful watch. We had a really long discussion after we watched it postulating, right? Where the source of evil came from. Because essentially the, the plot is that a bunch of from. crusaders killed a bunch of alleged witches. Uh, and then Threw their bodies in a, and then threw their bodies in a pit and buried it and erected a church on top so that they could never escape. And then, of course, uh, the seal is broken at one point under like a large church and then evil escapes. And how did they become evil? Were they initially evil? Were they truly were witches in cahoots with the devil or did this violent action make them morph into vindictive, murderous, undead? It's incredible. It was a real mind-blowing watch. And we follow that up immediately with a incredible new black metal record, the Venusburg Cardinal record, which is a related project to Departure Chandelier. And Nuclear Analogist put it out. Man, perfect follow-up to the church. That just great medieval atmosphere. Mm-hmm great songs and a, a really great outro that could have fit in the church. It was, it's a really great record and a perfect follow-up. I, to I feel the church. like we're in one of those, we have a friend who used to say we were in vortex of strangeness. And I feel like we're in one of those now where things are just being, you know, synchronized and we're surrounded by these strange mystical medieval feelings and these internal struggles of good and evil and repression or non-repression of rage. And I'm just loving it. And it definitely relates to some of the stuff on today's album and and especially some of Control Bleeding's later records felt very much in sync with something like The Church. And I'm excited to discuss it. But one other record that I do want to make sure to mention because it's brand new and it's really good. And again, very much in the night dream two zone is Ron Morelli's new record Heartstopper. Uh, it's it's his new beat record, and it is just a great great vibe and a great again follow up to weeks of pure just insanity. A great little something different to throw out there. You know we all love Ron. We love all the different zones he goes in. Obviously, the ambient stuff has been high on our lists every year of some of our favorite stuff. But so this is the, the different side of Ron Morelli, the it's nighttime the romantic. With, yeah. With it's a beat. great. It's so great. nice. So yeah, been a really cool listening week. All our sounds like a very well-rounded between the three of us. We think we covered all the music we all love. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> like it. Sounds like it. <laughs> Are we going to mention a really great controlled bleeding record that of course is not in the vein of this at all. And that's music for gilded chambers. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's what I really loved. That's what I was referencing when saying a a album that would fit along with Mm -hmm. the church. But yeah, of course we're about to discuss distress signals, but obviously we're going to mention the varied approaches that control bleeding 
took throughout their entire time as a project. But let's start from the early, early stages of controlled bleeding. That being distress signals on broken flag. One of, if not the first American projects on broken flag, if I'm not mistaken. Cor yeah, absolutely. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And early controlled bleeding. I don't know why, but in my head, and this has been years on, I think because this was sort of a lost tape, a broken flag, hard to find, not, not an easy thing to acquire. I always kind of slotted knees and bones into the first album position for them. Although it's not, it is recorded after this and, and released after this. I've always sort of thought of that as the starting point of controlled bleeding. And also because of its two side nature, it's not individual tracks. Whereas we get five pieces here. That is just two full sides of blasting frenetic lo-fi power electronic waste. And this has some of that in it certainly, but production and style were a little different by the time that one hit. And I'm not sure what that's attributed to. And all these things would continue through a lot of their mid eighties work up until the sort of shift to the dossier wax tracks years. Mm. Distress signals is exactly what you're expecting. If you're thinking of something like knees and bones, there's the really crude, gritty noise blasted to tape feedback, really aggressive vocals. That's one of the things I always like control bleeding vocals. I like control bleeding vocals on trudge <laughs> and I like them here <laughs> on distress yeah. signals. Right. So just, Split stereo assault, junk metal, machine shop ambience. There's uh on some of the other control bleeding stuff, even the sort of more industrial stuff, there's the swallowing scrap metal tracks, which is like yep. live noise stuff. And I've there's so much junk metal abuse, machine shop sound, cavernous warehouse tossing of random objects on this stuff in the background, in the forefront, along with actual metal percussion, like playing these crude rhythms, but it's so destroyed and nasty sounding that it's it almost takes a minute to realize like, oh, someone's like playing that. I mean, SBK oh, yeah. influence, I think, of course, there. Yeah, absolutely. And I know what you mean with what is the first? Because even I've seen it listed as Knees and Bones is the first album, and I've heard this is the first album. Knees and Bones being an LP, yeah. so maybe the thought of that's the album, but this is the first release. But it is an album for sure. And you know, it plays as an album. So however you slice and dice it, it's we're in the early noise power electronics era of control bleeding. Well, I think they're sort of intrinsically linked also because the the skull on the cover of Distress Signals is also on the back of is also on the back of Knees and Bones, right? So mm -hmm. they're they can be seen as sort of joined in that way too, is they're both using the same image, one as the cover, one as the the back cover. It was an important enough image to them to include on a couple things. I definitely had to look into what skull that was. It's not a chimpanzee skull. It's an early hominid skull. It's it's in the vein of, you know, Lucy, Australopithecus, that that type of era. But you can tell because the teeth are not like a like a, a simian. They aren't like an ape. They aren't pointy. They're flat. So very early, small, 
oblong head of man. The tape starts with just great raw in the red feedback PE noise. And yeah, this is, it's just fully, there's something very specific about the way this sounds. And it, it, I think of it in, even in the broken flag sound of power electronics, it's, it's different. There's, there is this in the room feel. To Absolutely. This. Well, and, and even given this era, like controlled bleeding started in 78 and then underwent some changes. This was recorded in 83 to 84, and it was a duo of Paul Lemos and Chris Moriarty. And for this to be so early on, just hearing the first track, the spitting cell, I absolutely adore this track, but it has so, so many things going on. It's so yeah. well developed to be recorded in 83. It It is nonstop action. Yeah, it really is. And I do feel that everything we're hearing, the vast majority, at least, of what we're hearing is live. But within the tracks, there's cuts and edits and movement put put together and spliced together. But each section to me at least feels very live and in the moment. Yeah. There are cuts and, and joins and sections of things stitched here and there crudely stitched. Also, I, mm -hmm. I really like the, yeah, jump and yeah, the, yeah. the feel of it. It's not to say that this is cut up really at all. There are parts no, no, that no. jump from different vibes, but it's not the focus of the piece. The focus is this, to me, even when it's slow, slower metal percussion, whatever, the sound of the noise behind it is high speed. It's really aggressive. It's really just flowing. It's, you know, the, the faucet on it, full blast. And even the, the note sheet, it does say this tape is designed to be played extremely loud with full bass and full treble. Yeah, there's some great notes for this release that we will certainly read. And I'm was trying to read my notes because I was so excited. Tara, go ahead and take a look at that. Oh boy. It, it is. I think this might be my most serial killer notes ever. <laughs> I can barely mm. read what I wrote. Cause I was just really excited. It does and, look like that says indecipherable. It does. It does say that. And that's pretty <laughs> fitting because my notes are indecipherable. I was saying the vocals are indecipherable and commanding, but he's certainly it's repeating something. I couldn't make it out, but yeah. there is repeating something. But I love that. And this, this, it's this junk, primitive, just raucous mess. And, and the volume shifts that are going to go throughout. I love that because I feel that things are happening without thought. And then at mm -hmm. one point, oh, it gets turned on for a second, but then turned back up without any thought of smoothness. It's in, like in, in the moment way. when you're in the red and you're like, whoa. Yeah, in, 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 <laughs> oh, burn that out. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Go back up. But then it's it, great. I love the keeping that. Yes. Right. I love the. It, it all feels very just raw. And yeah, those percussive elements that continue throughout this tape is something that sets it apart from a lot of the other PE at the time, like White House or Ramla. It, it, the having that in addition to the. PE vernacular that was being developed at, at this time is the very beginnings does give it something a little different, gives it that little extra juice that, that makes it something different. 
Yeah, in terms of vocals, I, I was just thinking that he was he was just saying something bad about living. Certainly I something could see bad that about living. For sure. And I love at about two minutes left in the track, we go to a completely different space with the tape vocals and this delayed metal, these haunting vocals. Yeah, this this distant operetta. And this is where it, it, Paul Lemos is credited with tape. So in my mind, this is a tape of... Oh, should we just read the credits here? Actually, Tara, go okay. ahead and do it. We have Paul Lemos, tape voice guitar sequencers and synthesizer. Chris Moriarty on drums, metal voice, and programming. Exactly. And we should also note Chris Moriarty is no longer with us. Rest in peace, Chris Moriarty. And he the... was in several projects with Paul, mm -hmm. actually. Uh, Skin Chamber, yes. Joined at the Head... They would work together a lot throughout the years. He was definitely connected with Paul for a long, long time. And his percussion is very, very distinct in this. And again, there's an instrument that was listed that maybe at the time wouldn't be connected with power electronics, that being guitar. Mm -hmm. Now, broken flag bands would incorporate guitar, and guitar did become something that I do connect with broken flag. From Skullflower to Ramla, and especially later Ramla. So it's not abnormal necessarily for Broken Flag, but maybe at the time, use of a guitar in power electronics is something that, again, a unique take on the vernacular that was being created at this time. And this first track, I really do think that the sounds within it are so classic yeah like all of the sounds in there i mean it's like they they summed up a bunch of classic moves in one track and it and it's fantastic and the vocals are evocative yet not necessarily discernible but i i love that emotion like everything is fraught with emotion and and that i think just something that just gets you on a human level absolutely I like the flyer that notes, you know, it says the first track on side one is entitled the spitting cell. The second epic track is yes. a human invention and <laughs> yeah, powerful chaos, just trilling since metal percussion layers of vocals just piled on there. There's like so much going on in there. And a, a, a little later in the track, there's you're talking about guitar. We hear that guitar. Yep. I put shredding in quotes. <laughs> right, like right, right. That's about right. Absolutely. And yes, anyone who has ever listened to us or knows us knows that I get such a thrill out of the epic second track, right? It calling mm -hmm. it that immediately. There's no you're 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 stating that and laying it down before anyone else. I love that. That's some of my favorite thing in Power Electronics. And it's 18 minutes, so it's certainly epic. It is epic track. The bash, clang, scream into oblivion. The machine gun electronics that keep you on your toes that just come in and then... I drew really, that visually on my note sheet. I did like, oh, a, yeah? like a scribble <laughs> to denote that. Yeah. yeah, it's so great. And then really early on, around 2.45, it cuts out to the strange vocal sample and sparseness. So all of a sudden we are in, whoa, what happened? Where do we go? And all of a sudden, already on this early first stuff, 
we're seeing that controlled bleeding's interests are vast. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see that throughout this tape and the varied spaces they're going to go throughout their entire output. Listening to this, it it totally makes sense. Yeah, not really wanting to be nailed down to one approach, to one one genre, especially that, like coming out and you have this, you know, anguish and then you have opera and you get like kind of a washing static rain that comes in and then just these pins and needles. And this is where, you know, Mike and I were like, this is awesome that we watch the church. This totally fits in because I, I do feel that the, the human invention just felt like we were in a torture chamber. This track just continues to enter new spaces. And I love when things get totally stripped away and the feedback starts to take over it's there's these points where everything gets really bare and it's open and empty and it really creates this great atmosphere yeah i love the delayed drums going on here too it's like a meltdown slowdown that starts happening toward the end of this piece and those metallic yells that that nasty tight ringy delay just the vocals sound gross. I, I thought they were just these resonant torture clangs on some ancient device. And definitely that resonance just takes you into an empty room where something awful is happening. Be that room, your own mind or you know, a torture dungeon or the basement in the church. Exactly. The, those distant howls are so great. And yeah, that, that great sequence loop, percussive loop that happens while those distant howls are going it's just this this track just keeps showing new things and keeps revealing itself and truly is an epic track it's it's a great incredible piece and now that we have you know we're on the last track of the first side i should probably read the words that accompany the first side i think you should tara Is it possible for a god, if such exists, to create cruelty on such a level as the very subjects he supposedly created? Or is this streak in the human being itself a deliberate cruelty conceived by the maker? We fight cruelty with more cruelty, which we all watch or carry out in the disgust and hatred which we so richly deserve and enjoy. And there lies the irony. Hatred is not only the easiest option for most, it's the most enjoyable. We still act as a group intimidating the individual. Is it really so surprising that the individual fights back in a manner which history will describe as cruel and disgusting? The human temper is forever close to the boiling point. Each of our enemies takes us one degree closer to their guilt and to their punishment at our hands. What God could create that kind of judgment? Love it. Incredible words to accompany. The and, first and one more line, and that would be, False morality has never been acceptable to us and is all too easily recognizable. And ain't that the truth? Love it. Love it. Love it. Exactly. It's the potency I crave. Exactly, Tara. It is. And perfect to go along with this tape and that first side. Time to flip that tape over. And it's time for the heretic and the Christs of violence. This is a full-on power tool assault with just drilling, grinding, nasty, electric, whirring 
a sense of space to it that a lot of these tracks have. It's really good. This is one of those things we talk about too with, with Broken Flag whenever we sort of reference it is that open air, open mic yeah. in the studio, in a space. You feel the spaces on this stuff. It's not direct into your tape deck, direct into you. It's some microphones hanging somewhere, sitting on something. And it it really pays dividends. It really helps to give a feeling and an atmosphere to the same thing with something like the new blockade or something, right? You have this sense of space there that, that just presents you with a larger picture and a larger world to get lost in. And what you lose in that can be some of the direct frequencies, right? You're getting, you're not getting the full picture, you're not getting CD quality audio direct into your brain. You're getting, the sound you would naturally hear, the corrosion you hear, you're walking in a tunnel, down a hill, in a valley, in a warehouse. And that combined with these vocals, I love, but it's not too long on this piece before that loop starts. That crushing loop, it's so great. And it comes and goes and feedback then takes over. And this, again, keeps moving along, but that loop is so, so sick. Yeah, I love the loop and the the kind of sci-fi sounds added onto it. But again, not high fidelity. So you're getting some weird synth on there. But as that loop is going, it mutates and dissolves while we're listening to it. And I really like that, too. And we talked a little bit about the sort of cuts that happen in this where things are collaged together. I would say this is almost three distinct pieces put together here. And so next we're into this slow, twisted drums, synth, and vocals. Yeah, we fully get a actual drum. And I was hearing guitar in this part, too. Maybe it was all everything combined, but I was feeling full on guitar and drums in this part. And again, it's mutated and distorted to the nth degree, but it's there. Yeah, I, I definitely perceived guitar, whether it was actually there or not, who knows, but it, it was like the synthetic wind and there was a, a vocal violence happening. It did, it did bring to mind one hair police band as I was listening to, to these. Oh, you know what? I can actually hear violence. that in this. Uh, it's funny. I was trying to place where the clattering weird drums were familiar from aside from obviously just listening to this control winning stuff. And there is, there is a hair policeness to it. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that I, I, Trevor Tremaine. I absolutely. I was going to yes, say, I can hear, never know I can what's hear Trevor happen. doing that. I can yeah, hear Trevor absolutely. doing these drums. Uh, and, and then that wild, you know, arpeggio or sequence that, that comes in and we get that full on PE and it's, and it's really awesome. We get that, full on tangerine dream section. Yeah. That's what I was. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, whoa. And again, we're seeing already the It's a flash intro. forward. Yeah, it's a flash forward 100%. This could be something that's going to be on a, a control bleeding record in a few mm-hmm. years. We're getting that wide range of sound that they're going to incorporate for the rest of their output. Yeah, it ends big. It's not crumbling small rocks. It's crumbling big, big boulders. Yeah, totally, totally. Because <laughs> this does this does break apart and and crumble at the end. But Tara, I am with you. It's it's a big crumbling. It's it's a it's a large, massive crumbling. 
Well, speaking of of crumbling, we did find in an interview when Lemos discussed his entryway into noise or his early inspiration in one Einstrasende Neubauten. Exactly. This is a quote from Paul Lemos. I came upon Neubauten's collapse by accident long before the record would surface as an industrial classic. I was stunned when I first listened to it because these guys were creating their own musical vocabulary, using the tools of industry, creating something much uglier than anything I had encountered. The music again possessed the same visceral intensity as stuff like the Stooges, but presented a totally different aesthetic. Not so different from what Lynch captured in Eraserhead. After playing fast, disciplined instrumental music for a long time, our band finally imploded and I just needed a new means to vent. With Collapse, I realized the means by which I could bypass all convention and unleash the purest form of musical violence. Like I said earlier, power tool assault, right? That is, yeah. that ties to this very well. And everything feels like it's this like slightest adjustment on a pitch knob turning down, but it doesn't really sound like it's being tuned down as much. Just a slowing down molasses grade industrial and I love the way this ends. I love the the Neubauten reference in that interview. And right, right. you can hear it come through in this stuff, but in its own way. Like definitely totally, not totally. Uh, done in some sort of uh, mimicry, but uh, taking those ideas and pushing them their own direction. Absolutely. And he would cite White House as, as a band that he was very into at this time. And sure, you can see that. Okay, yeah, I and, get that they liked White House, but it's and also yeah, but it also doesn't <laughs> sound like White House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so cool. You know, we all the a lot of early controlled bleeding tapes were on some great labels. There is a controlled bleeding on Zisifu. There's a controlled bleeding on La Syndicate. Obviously, Broken Flag. He worked with a lot of really cool labels early on. I mean, Inner uh, X Music, uh, John Zoe's label, right there. Lad mm-hmm. Frith, and then uh, Cause and Effect. You know, later yeah. working with uh, Dossier. And doing some of the, the I mean, not even later, a year after this or whatever. And they started putting out some of the more industrial material for them. And then you find them on, again, stuff like Sub Rosa and Wax Tracks and Dark Vinyl. You know, some of this stuff yeah. that we, we also talk about all the time. So they really and, had a whole and, yeah. picture of all of these things. I mean, eventually they're, they're on Solid Moon. They have a CD Solid on Moon. Hospital. The, on the Hospital, band has absolutely. Yeah. Great history to it and this great evolution of working with these different labels that firmly planted. I mean, you know, it'd be hard to not talk about to the dry lungs compilations and how, oh, and how influential course. those yeah. were to people. Huge. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that we have seen and talked about and other people reference and even guests we've had on have referenced dry lungs as being a very big portion of that because it was showcasing this kind of music you know they got into this and immediately started making contacts and spreading the virus of industrial music around as best they could absolutely and they would go so many different areas and as we mentioned something like music for gilded chambers is just an incredible phenomenal record Mm -hmm. that only a few years later from this, and if you were to play someone, you know, uh, the the Spitting Cell and then a track off Gilded Chambers and be like, this is the same band. And like, it's what do these have in common? far <laughs> yeah. off. It's not that many years later. It's not mm. like it's 20 years later. It's a handful of years later. It's still in the 80s. Both records are 
very powerful, very incredible in very different ways. Gilded Chambers is just a flooring record, and so is Distress Signals. Well, and he even, Paul even cites one of his influences as sacred music and music makes sense. from, you know, medieval period. So that absolutely makes sense, you know, in, in capturing, you know, that, that headspace and that mood. And that- speaking of headspaces and moods, I also enjoyed the story that he told where he went to see Eraserhead four nights in a row. Hey, man, probably a pretty crazy headspace. What a place, living alone in a house, going every night to see Eraserhead. Now that's a vibe. I'm into (laughs) it. I support it. I also support a code of honor. What a cool, quick track. This is two minutes. Mm. The other tracks take their time. This is a quick one with these awesome electronics that just go into overdriven blast sped up stuttering madness a great track to place in between heretic and the final track on this album absolutely yeah the heretic and the crisis of violence into code of honor into only obeyed orders is a nice b-side for this thing it makes sense together somehow and only obeyed orders starting with the the sample the covert recording of uh, someone yelling at Paul. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so good. The, the covert family recordings. Yeah. I have a test tomorrow and you don't give a flying fuck. <laughs> right. At first, I was trying to place what movie it's from. And then until Tara's like, well, oh, no, this is sister. clearly a family member and who's not happy. I don't want to with- go library. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with that New York accent, right? I mean, it's like oh, with that great it. accent, it, it's such a great way to start. But then, and even the way this ends with the covert recording, it has that voyeuristic feel that you're not supposed to be hearing this. And so even if you weren't, if you couldn't place what it was from, you just know that it's something you're not supposed to be hearing, but it's a great way to start. And then just the trash metal junks go right into the disposal. Yeah, the pitch shifting, pitch warbling, kind of low grade sound there with the this junk toss. This one is a twisting, winding nightmare of electronics, overloaded drums. There's feedback, guitar synth. The read the uh, equipment list again, and that's everything that's on this track. <laughs> like there's yeah, yeah, it's totally. All here. Only obeyed orders has weird synth filter the corroded vocals it's got all of this stuff to it plus these weird samples field recording covert recordings in a nearly 18 minute piece to round out this side and this is it's crazy because there's two 18 ish minute pieces on this tape right yeah they're different they're decidedly different but utilizing a lot of the same ideas concepts and and direction to give a different feel to these things. And they're both epics in their own way. So I love that the, a human invention is labeled as the epic track, but come on, you got only obeyed orders on here too. And you threw so much into this piece. Oh, absolutely. And this only obeyed orders really took me all over the place, but especially into a basement. Like truly this took me down into a dirt floored basement where everyone can play at full volume. You have crazy volume shifts because you're about to blow out the PA. All the junk noise is there. Everybody's participating. The vocals are especially off the rails. Like they're really, really wild. And 
it, it was pounding my eardrums at point gray. My diagram that I drew was like a concave thing and a convex thing. Like that's my eardrum going in and out <laughs> on that part where I'm just getting that inner ear assault. Uh, I get like really, it was super visceral for me. Um, it just, it just feels so live and it had so much energy in it. I mean, how can you not enjoy this track? Yeah. And Tara, you called it basement power electronics. This definitely feels like it was in a basement in New York just going full bore. Maybe there's a washer and dryer in the corner. There's a, there's a fridge maybe with some beers or an, a non-working fridge in the, in the other corner and Still just everything set up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cause just to hold them, you know, just, you know, I like those yeah. basements where the floor gets progressively like, yeah. like the ceiling goes down, you know? So there's yeah. a part where <laughs> you have to kind of squat and then you can stand straight up in other portions. That's a yeah. really nice. Yeah. Basement. So that's where we were yeah. picturing this stadium style basement. Totally. That's where we were <laughs> with this last track and really the whole feel of it. Again, it has that live feel. It has that nasty feel and it's, it's different from a lot of the other power electronics and industrial that was coming out at this time. And as we keep stating, they're going to continue to do things different. You know, as we were sorting out what episode to do this week and I was settling on control bleeding and reading some interviews, a friend texted me totally out of the blue that he was listening to control bleeding curd. And I, I, I showed Tara, I'm like, dude, I kind of have the chills. Like I'm reading a, a Paul Lamos interview and vortex. out of nowhere, a buddy just texted, dude, I'm listening to Kurt. It sounds so great. I'm like, <laughs> this is really weird, dude. Cause I'm reading control bleeding interviews right now. And that, and that record Kurt is a great record and, it, and it's a bit mm -hmm. of a bridge from industrial into gilded chambers. And that's just a great record. So you can really go for so many different areas in the control bleeding discography for classic noise, extra listeners. Yes. Something like distress signal, something like knees and bones is probably going to be your entryway, but you're going to want to explore the entire discography and you're going to find a lot of different stuff and you're going to get excited about a lot of different stuff because Paul's going to take this project in a lot of different directions as the years go on. And it's great to have the scope. Like you said, the swallowing scrap metal stuff, some of that stuff's on the hospital CD. Some of that stuff's been collected. Some of that stuff's here, there and everywhere mixed into things. So you can really get a great look at all the work of control bleeding. But for our purposes, starting with distress signals is the way we would recommend digging into control bleeding man we were talking about labels they worked with somehow i completely forgot there's a cd on vanilla right oh yeah absolutely <laughs> vanilla. absolutely classic you know yeah. absolutely classic japanese label of course as a few weeks ago we talked about the masana vhs and yeah cd on vanilla they you know so they bridge so many different worlds you know worked with roadrunner you know so it's just it's a wild time when a band like this could work with so many different labels, do so many different styles under the one umbrella of control bleeding. I think to end this regular portion of the episode, before we head on over to the Patreon to talk a bit about broken flag in general, Tara, I think you need to read the last part of the notes relating to 
the second side of distress signals. The music is frantic, angry, powerful, and desperate. A possible soundtrack for nihilist revolution, which can only end with universal suicide. This race to divinity will not be won. This race should never have been embarked upon. You can talk of innocence, but you'll never justify it. Here comes our success. As you drown in your morality, spare a second to wave us goodbye, and maybe the compliment will be returned. Let's hope for your sake that born again is a little more literal than you first thought. Beautiful. Control bleeding, distress signals. You have been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 20 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.